Hey guys, we are back. We are back with another episode of the Act, Protect, Engage Academy podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Chase, the CEO of Ape Academy. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. We appreciate y'all. Ape. All right. You hear that? This song is called British Grenadiers by the American Fife Ensemble. Period music, all right? Time period music. That's what I wanted to focus on in the intro today. Time to, you know, get you guys a sense of the time period that we're talking about today. We're talking about a particular person and a particular event that occurred on Christmas Day, 1776. And this individual is the legendary General George Washington, the later the first president of the United States, at the time, the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. All right. So that what we just sampled was some marching music, the typical music that you would hear playing as the armies were marching to battle, moving camp, doing drills, whatever. Okay. Pretty cool stuff. Today's podcast, we got two sponsors, the USCCA and Bravo Concealment Holsters. USCCA, United States Concealed Carry Association, is the number one advocacy group for concealed carry holders and for Second Amendment advocates. Join today. Bravo Concealment Holsters, they sell the best, and I mean the best, inside the waistband holsters, outside the waistband holsters, tactical belts and tactical mag pouches buy buy from them today use the code ape10 ape10 at checkout to get 10% off you're going to be too late for christmas but maybe just maybe you can catch that uncle that one uncle that everyone has that doesn't mind his gifts being a little late that uncle is me maybe you can get something for him all right you can catch a good deal all right check it out at Bravo Concealment on IG, bravoconcealment.com. All right, so we're talking about the American Revolution. And, you know, you can write 16 volumes about the American Revolution, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to keep it keep it tight, right? Keep it short. We're only talking about certain things today, all right? little backdrop. We all know about how America broke away from England. It was a colonial state. It was a series of colonies, actually. Uh, Colonial possession of the Brits. And we decided we didn't want any part of it anymore. And we're not going to go into all the historical facts, but basically at this point, uh, the period we're talking about in our podcast today, at this point, the Americans are well along into the battle for freedom, right? Well into it, all right? They are fully committed now. There's an official Continental Army that has been formed under the leadership of Commander-in-Chief General George Washington. Although the Army is poorly trained, poorly funded, have no supplies, (laughs) they do have pretty good morale, and they have a purpose. They have a common unifying purpose, right? Which gives them a slight advantage over the Brits. Although the Brits seem to have every conceivable advantage, what they didn't have was purpose, right? Was sense of duty and sense of purpose to create their own nation, right? 
All right, so let's set the stage for a glorious Christmas day, 1776. Since August of 1776, British forces under General William Howe had driven the Continental Army south out of New York. So we think of New York now as, you know, that, bustle, that bustling, busy, crowded, smelly, beautiful city with all those people packed together, shoulder to shoulder. It wasn't like that back then. It was a lot different. Uh, it was not nearly as populated. It had a lot of, you know, nature still. A lot of trees, a lot of ponds, a lot of streams. Okay? And back then, New York was the main port of entry, right? Remember, New York is a harbor city. All right? It's on water. I think people kind of forget that because they're thinking of the concrete jungle. So the Brits actually landed to kick off the war. The Americans knew that they had to go and land in New York, right? So everyone knew where they were coming. They still landed on Long Island, right? And they, for the first, man, the first few weeks, they were crushing the Americans, okay? The first few months, actually. They were really beating them up pretty bad. Um, because you have to understand, the Americans were building an army from scratch, right? <laughs> in the beginning, the only thing they had were militia. So just imagine if you, Bobby Joe from down the street, Jasper and Nick all got together and grabbed your your little, you know, ARs or AKs and your ragtag, you know, gear, plate carriage stuff, and you went to go fight the government. That's basically what was happening. And then they, they picked, like, Jebediah to be the captain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's it basically was, like, whoever could have had the most money, they could buy themselves a commission, you know, like, purchase, you know, the supplies needed and the trainers needed to recruit your own men. And a lot of these independent companies that I'm talking about were great, but most of Washington's forces were militia. And I'm, it's interesting. I'm actually reading a book now called Washington's Immortals. It's a great book. Um, about, I'm not even halfway through yet, but I'm getting there. Um, and it's about these independent companies. And this, this book is specifically about an, a battalion from Maryland, from Baltimore, Maryland, Self-funded, self-trained, self-equipped, self-supplied, right? So every state had the responsibility of supplying a certain number of troops for the Continental Army. Um, and some states were better at it than others. Maryland had a lot of patriots and a lot of, like, passion and excitement for the revolution. So this battalion out of Maryland was infamous for fighting to the last man fighting hard defying the odds and never retreating and they actually saved Washington's army in the battle for New York which we're going to talk about in a second so the fight for New York City was fierce and bloody right the Americans took hella L's when I mean L's I mean it was like bro why are we even here like this is ridiculous like we can't beat these guys the Brits were known across the world for their military prowess right they were expert soldiers. Their army was not part-time. The American forces were part-time guys. They were farmers. They were potters. They were shopkeepers. They were, they were fishermen. That was their actual jobs. The Brits, their actual job in the army was fighting. That's all they did. And they had a lot of history in Europe and even in the Seven Years' War against the French and their Indian allies, which was fought a little bit before the Revolution. So, finally... On November 16th, the British overran Fort Washington in Manhattan. 
and they took 2,000 American prisoners. After this disastrous defeat, the Brits chased the American army out of New York and pursued them into New Jersey. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm actually from the region where this story takes place, and it's pretty cool to learn about it and to talk about it. In mid-December, Washington led his army south across the Delaware River and camped on the Pennsylvania side of the river. They were short of food, ammunition, and supplies. It's really cool because I remember as a kid, we would go rafting on the Delaware River, and it's, it's a huge river. It's really deep in, air, in certain areas, and it's also very shallow in certain areas. You can literally stand up and walk. It's up to, like, your knees, which is really cool. Tubing was always fun with the family and friends. And uh, actually, Washington made his camp, his winter camp, at Valley Forge, PA. Shout out to Valley Forge. My brother actually went to Valley Forge Military Academy for two years and then transferred to Ohio State. But that is really, really cool. General Washington decided to take a massive risk, right, and launch a surprise winter offensive. You have to understand, the risk was the total destruction of the American army if he failed. Because they really, I mean, they were in a bad state. You know, um, some of the guys didn't have shoes, right? Looking at his army, looking at the sorry, demoralized state of his army, Washington realized that without a decisive action, the Continental Army was doomed. They, they just were going to get destroyed. It was just a matter of time at that point. Um, just wearing them down. There, there's a lot of desertions. A lot of people ran away back home. These guys, we have to remember, these guys weren't soldiers, right? They were like, you know, you, you had a fisherman, a potter, a shopkeeper. And if they're away from their family for too long, they had farms to attend to. They had families to take care of. And they weren't getting paid. They hadn't gotten paid in months. They didn't have shoes. They didn't have proper equipment. So they're like, yeah, F this. I'm out, right? So what, what Washington did, what did he do? He was like, look, I know that we need a victory. We've been taking L after L after L. We need to a victory to kind of boost morale and to prove that we belong on the same field of battle as the Brits. Like, we have to gain that respect. It's like when, if you guys ever watch MMA or boxing, you can always tell when the other fighter, when one of the two fighters does not respect the other fighter's power in their strikes, right? They don't respect their power. They're just walking forward, and they're, they're willing to absorb their punches because they know they can't hurt them. At that point, that's how the Brits were toward the Americans. They were that, that fighter that was like, you know, you can't knock me out, bro. I've, like, I've taken your punches, and they're weak. You, you punch like a pillow. The Brits, that's how, the, how arrogant and how, well, actually, their arrogance was bred out of, you know, fact. They were messing people up in Europe. Their army was professional, so they had really had nothing to fear from the American army. So Washington knew, look, we need to gain their respect. We need to make sure that they, they know that they can lose, right? That we can inflict damage on them. So he had to risk it all, right? Washington planned a daring assault on the Hessen Garrison camped at Trenton, New Jersey, my birthplace. Right? I was born in Trenton, Mercer County in Trenton, New Jersey. Proud of it. St. Mary's Hospital, baby. So the Hessens, H-E-S-S-I-A-N, were German mercenary troops from Prussia. All my nerds know what Prussia is. If you don't, Google it. Um, the Brits also paid they hired mercenary soldiers for hire to supplement some of their army because you remember 
England is a small island, okay? They don't have a ton of people. So in order to supplement their numbers, they would pay the Prussians, which were professional. I mean, if you're talking professional, just think of like, I don't know, mercenaries. I mean, I, I don't want to call them modern-day mercenaries, but just imagine like contractors, like Blackwater or something like that. They were professional, right? They were, they were soldiers all day, every day. So the Brits hired them to help them fight the Americans. Plus, you have to remember, Britain had an empire, and they had to put soldiers in other places. So they couldn't afford to put all their soldiers facing toward America, you know, putting them on the American continent, on the North American continent. They had to maintain their presence in Europe and other places. All right. So Washington planned a three-pronged attack. His main body consisted of 2,400 troops flanked by 1900, a 1,900-man diversionary force under Colonel John Cadwalder and a blocking force of 700 men commanded by General James Ewing. Okay, so three-pronged attack. You have the main force of 2,400 men. Then you have a diversionary force, right? So you're going to make a fake attack, like a feint, right? Like in boxing or MMA, a feint punch. You want to divert the enemy's attention somewhere else. But in order to do that, you have to have a believable feint, right? You can't just have like three dudes, three fat, out-of-shape guys going, over here, over here. This is where the Americans are going to attack. And the Brits are like, whoa, there they are. And they all run over there. No, you need an actual sizable force, right, that has, you know, some numbers. And, you know, back then armies were much smaller. So that's why you hear kind of the small numbers at the time. So the diversionary force of 1,900 men would do a fake attack. Then they had a blocking force. So what the blocking force would do was it make sure there was no one coming up behind them. Right. Also, they made sure that no one escaped. Blocking forces are essential. Even now, when we do military operations, there's always a blocking force. Right. They're basically security. Every time you do a mission in the American military, you always have to pull security first. Security is the first thing you set up. You cannot attack with no security or your flanks and your rear will be exposed. Right. Pause. So the blocking force of 700 men were there to make sure that no one did any sneaky stuff that snuck behind them or tried to escape. The enemy tried to escape and sneak out the back door. All right. On Christmas Day, 1776, here it is, the big moment. Washington's men and cannons crossed the icy, freezing cold Delaware River in boats and began the 19-mile march to Trenton in freezing cold snow. All right, so... Have you guys ever seen that iconic oil painting of Washington? You know, he has his leg up on the boat and he has all the guys around him huddled up and the American flag is flying proudly from the boat. That's what we're talking about with the icy lake, you know, the icebergs and stuff around. That's what we're talking about, right? The Delaware is very cold and actually that entire area is freezing during the winter. So I can't imagine what it was like to cross that river in those little tiny boats. Okay. The Battle of Trenton, here we go. So, this is the day after Christmas. So, Christmas Day, he crosses the Delaware at night under the cover of darkness. You can't do it in the middle of the day. All right? You have to do it quietly at night because, obviously, the Brits always have scouts around. The problem for the Hessens were that they were tired. The, the Hessen force stationed at Trenton, New Jersey, numbered only 1,400 under the command of Colonel Johann Raw 
Raw had received a warning of a possible colonial movement, but his men were exhausted and unprepared. They had been fighting in New York City. They had been helping out the Brits up there, and they were exhausted. And honestly, it's winter. Back then, wars were fought in seasons. War was not a, a year-round thing. So what you would do, you would fight in the spring and in the summer, and then you would make, you know, you would fight. You would, it would slow down, right? So it would be spring, summer, and then you would camp in the winter. Okay, and the fall was kind of like transitional, right? So you would, no one was fighting in the winter. Everyone was kind of bedding down, hunkering down, refitting, restocking, training, kind of, you know, just rebuilding their energy for the fight in the spring, right? So they weren't ready. They were just like, you know what? We're just going to take some time. We're tired, all right? But as Washington approached Trenton, Washington decided to divide his men and then sent his flanking column under General Nathaniel Green and General John Sullivan, right? Flanking columns. So flanking columns' job is to protect the flank of the army, which is the side of the army. If you can attack an army from the sides, the flanks, you can fold them up. So just imagine, uh, let me do a little experiment. Oh, not experiment, an example. It, let's just say it's like when you're driving through a, through a green light, right? And all of a sudden, you see a car flying toward you out of your, your blind side and T-bones you. Bam! Hits you. Spins your car around. God forbid it ever happens. Right? You, I've seen that happen before. A flanking attack is kind of like that. It hits you from the side and it disorients the entire army. And it can really roll you up. Right? It can, it, they can get to your rear. They can, now you're fighting from the front and the side, which is a disaster for most armies. So you always need a flanking column. All right, flanking columns under General Green and General Sullivan. While the troops moved into position, Colonel Henry Knox Cannon started firing on the garrison. Rawl, he attempted to rally his troops, but he was unable to establish a defensive perimeter, right? They were taken totally off guard. I mean, they did not think that the Americans had the balls, right, or the skill or the logistical skill, the logistical planning needed to assault them 19 miles away in the middle of the night or in early morning and in a freezing cold snowstorm. There's no way the Americans are going to do that. We're Hessens. We're big. We're bad. Everyone's afraid of us. No one's going to mess with us. They're just going to go and lick their wounds. No. Washington knew that they would be unprepared. So the cannons open up first, right? Support by fire. Cannons open up, bombard the garrison. The colonel, the Hessen leader, Cut off the head of the snake, right? The body will drop. Cut off the head, colonel dies, Hessens are in disarray. Americans are attacking. There's this three-pronged, right up the gut, right? Just like a run play, right? Hand off the running back, right up the gut. They're attacking straight ahead. They have flanking columns and a blocking force. All right, Rawl is killed. He's shot from his horse and fatally wounded. The Hessens quickly surrendered. Like, you know what? We're done. We lost. <laughs> it's over. 22 killed, 92 wounded, 918 captured, and 400 escaped. The Americans, get this, only suffered two frozen to death and five wounded. No one was even killed in the fighting. And like I had said before, they're so poorly supplied that a lot of soldiers didn't have foods, didn't have clothing, didn't have coats. So only two men froze to death, God bless them, and five were wounded. So none actually died in the battle itself, which is pretty impressive. You know, it's, it's just amazing, the ingenuity of the early American generals, because they weren't working with a whole lot. I mean, to be honest, they really were, they were sucking. 
I mean, their army was terrible. Like, it's like the Houston Rockets. The, the, the army was like the Houston Rockets beating the Golden State Warriors. Like, uh, that, that's what it was like, the Americans beating the Brits back then. Like, they got better as time as they got more organized and as, as the war went on. But they, bro, I don't think there's been a war. Other, you know, obviously the Civil War because everyone was an, was American. I don't think there was a war. I mean, and we we could debate this, and I'm sure historians have different points, you know, points of opinion on this. I don't think there was a war where the American army took more L's than the American Revolution. I would have to go back and really study other other wars, but the Americans took so many losses fighting the British and the Amer- and it's it's a miracle they survived. It was through grit, determination, passion, willpower. Right, we were fighting for something. The Brits weren't fighting for anything. They, I mean, what, half the Brits never even been to America. They didn't even know one American. They were there to enforce their colonial rule. And it was about who wanted it more, who had more dog in them. Who wanted it more? And the Americans wanted it more, and that's what defines our country. I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, the woke people who are like General George Washington and the founders were racist slave owners, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that, but no one can deny their skills in leadership, their bravery, their courage under fire, right? Their intelligence and just their pure just dog mentality. Like they're not giving up, bro. Like it was either victory or death. The Brits were going to hang you if you di- if you lost that war and then take back over and then make it even worse. So really, defeat was not an option. All right, guys. God bless you. That is Washington's Christmas Day crossing. Keep it short and sweet. I hope you guys had a happy hol- have a happy holidays. Uh, enjoy with your family, right? Put God first. Never let anyone tell you you can't do something. Train hard, get after it. God bless you. Ape. This song is entitled "Brennis Grenadiers" by the American Fife Ensemble. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, it's okay. Happy holidays. We're going to be back with another episode after Christmas because my wife won't let me do any work during the Christmas holiday. God bless y'all. Ape out. I'm literally playing like an air flute right now and doing a, a, the air drums. Have a great day, y'all. Eight.